Amen. Amen. Well, remain standing for a minute. Let's, uh, let's read together 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Now, our Tuesday nights, if you're not aware, we call prophetic night. And we, uh, we take time. I do a teaching. A lot of times this comes out of here in 1 Corinthians 14. And uh, let's just read the first number of verses here. Um, it says this, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Everybody say prophesy. prophesy. He who speaks with a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For the tongue is not... Uh, for a t- I'm sorry, in a tongue, does not speak to me, da, da, da. but no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. He who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. We'll stop there. I'm going to touch on a couple other verses, but let's just ask ask the Lord to come. We've already prayed like nine times, haven't we? We're We're a house of prayer. Hallelujah. I'm unashamed of that. Jesus, we just ask you to bless the word. Pray that it would come alive on the inside of us. God, let let this be more than doctrine and theology and just a a number of verses. God, let this be truth. Let this be reality. Let this be something that we can act upon and activate and even release, Lord, tonight. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation, whatever you would lead us to do, mighty God, we just ask that you would activate the gifts of your spirit even in our own lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You may be seated. If you ever want to know more about the gifts of the Spirit, I encourage you, get in 1 Corinthians 14. Really, chapter 12 is all about the gifts. Chapter 13 is talking about kind of a balance. Uh, uh, We don't want to ever be uh, mean in the way that we administer gifts. Uh, You ever met a mean prophet? Anybody ever meet or you've seen a mean prophet? That's not fun to deal with. And Paul, uh, as he begins to teach, he talks about all the gifts of the Spirit. In chapter 13, he sandwiches this thing with love. We need to make sure that we love. Otherwise, we're like a, a resounding brass or, a, or an annoying gong. Hallelujah. I'm glad we got a good drummer in the house. But if we just had random beatings of a cymbal... I don't think any of us would very much appreciate that, would we? That's what the gifts are, if not seasoned with love. And then in chapter 14, we read the verse. It's a powerful teaching on tongues and prophecy. Yes, we believe in those things. Uh, And I wanted to talk about the ministry of tongues and prophecy. Both of these are gifts that, that come out of the mouth. And what's very interesting is, uh, let me just, let's, let's open this up. I'm just feeling relational tonight, okay? Uh, as we speak in a prophetic word, now I don't want you to quote me a verse, but generally speaking, do you, where do you think a prophetic word is, is ministering primarily? Do you think, uh, I speak a prophetic word. Do you think that's blessing the heart of God? That's blessing me. It's blessing somebody. It's doing warfare. It's, uh, you know, it's changing the atmosphere. I mean, what do you believe is the primary beneficiary, to use a good word, of prophetic ministry? What do you guys guess? Others. 
edification. You guys, do you guys agree with that? What about tongues? Who do you think benefits the most when we speak or we pray in tongues? Most people are saying self. Okay. Tonight, I want to talk to you. This is a very simple teaching, and it all comes right out of these first number of verses here in, in 1 Corinthians. I would submit to you that whether it's tongues or prophecy, all of these both of those gifts can be used in four different directions. And I'll tell you what those are right off the bat, and I'll explain what those are. can be used upward. They can be used outward. They can be used inwardly. And they can be used downward. And I'm going to explain what all of those are. But this is very interesting, and we're going to, we're going to exercise these things tonight. I think this is going to help us because some of you, we prophesy, we speak words, and I don't know if you even realize how powerful your words and your declarations are. I'm just telling you, yes, it blesses the person who receives the word, and I think you guys are right. Primarily, it's going to bless the person who's receiving a prophetic word. But I want you to know that it blesses the heart of God. It can be a witness to unbelievers. You're doing spiritual warfare, whether you know it or not. Our words are so powerful. And even when we pray in tongues, even when we pray in the Spirit, I know a lot of churches, especially young guys like me, well, that's just going to freak people out. That's going to scare people away. You'll notice I leave my microphone on when I pray in tongues. Well, why do you do that, Pastor Jacob? I I'm not ashamed of it. And I know there's one warning verse about how tongues can be a hindrance or a stumbling block. And I'm going to talk about that tonight and why, why I still feel at liberty to pray in tongues. Are you with me so far? There are guidelines, by the way. Here, in, and we're not going to deal with all of these tonight, but in, in verses 6 through 19, as well as 26 through 40. There's two sections here in 1 Corinthians 14 where it deals about personal protocol. And let me just give you an example. If anybody in this church ever stands up while I'm preaching, while Minister Leah's leading worship, something's going on, and somebody in a disruptive way stands up and begins to prophesy. Now there are moments, and we've been in moments, where that was a spirit-led moment. And it's powerful. But have you ever been in a service where it's been done in an unorderly fashion? Where you can just tell, that's off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I need you to nod at me or acknowledge. Otherwise, I'm just, we just won't do this, okay? Uh, I want you to understand. I will shut that down so fast. Because even within these verses, it talks about how the spirit of the prophet is subject, uh, the spirit of prophecy is subject to the prophet. Which means that, that you and I, as we begin to prophesy, as the Spirit of God begins to move upon us, guess what? You can control yourself. In fact, we were in a meeting on one occasion where a uh, where man of God is, is ministering, uh, Benny Hinn. And uh, we were in this service, and uh, an individual begins to stand up, and he like starts conducting his own healing meeting off on the side. He begins prophesying real loud, and next thing you know, he's laying hands. I don't know who this guy was, but he wasn't with Benny's team. And have you guys ever been in a Benny Hinn service? This guy is like a drill sergeant. You don't get up to go to the bathroom while he's preaching. You don't bring your crying baby. I mean, I don't mind crying babies in the service. I'm glad you got your babies at church at all. Praise God. Not in Benny's service. 
You don't do that. And so this guy starts going off, and he said something. He may not like everything that comes out of Benny Hinn or his ministry, but I, I remember this, and I agree with this. He stopped that individual from ministering, and he said this, the Holy Spirit will never interrupt himself. He was ministering. People were getting healed. We were watching wheelchairs begin to pile up in front of the altar. And here's this person who's doing his own thing, claiming it's the work of God. But he says the Holy Spirit will not interrupt himself. Now that's not to say there aren't moments. I think we've all had moments where it's like, I didn't choose to cry. I just started crying. I didn't choose to fall on the ground, but the Spirit of God overwhelmed me. There's a difference between manifestations and gifts of the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you guys trekking with me so far? Because now, now I just want you to know, I'm not correcting anything that I've seen in our church so far. Some of you might be looking and, well, did I do something that pastors talking? No, 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 no. This hasn't happened yet. And the reason that I'm teaching this is it's not going to happen, right? We're going to do things decently. We're going to do things in order. But I promise you, as God continues to pour out His Spirit, and boy, what we're watching Him do now, I tell you, every Sunday... Every Sunday night, I'm getting more and more excited about coming into the house of God. I had people telling me after the service on Sunday night, Pastor Jacob, you just walked close to me, and I felt like I was going to fall on the ground. The anointing is coming strong. And I'm telling you, as the Spirit of God begins to move in greater and greater measure, there's going to be some weirdos that come along. Just warning you, there's going to be some weirdos that come along. And that's okay. We're going to love them. We're going to welcome them. You might, you might get surprised and you get blessed by a weirdo. We had this guy come into our church on one occasion. And uh, he came in, and I knew this was going to be fun because he comes in with his big shofar. And he comes in with a hand drum, and he's got a whole bag of who knows what. And he comes in, he sits right on the front row, and uh, he greets me. I, I kid you not. The first time I ever met this man of God, he walks up to me and he goes, And I'm like... Good to meet you. <laughs> you know, I don't even know. I didn't know how to respond to that. You know, I'm, I'm a Holy Ghost guy, but I, uh, I say my name when I greet people. And uh, this guy, you know, he, uh, he was behaved during the service. And I met and I got to know his name, was, his name was Stephen. Brother Stephen, we all called him. He was one of the most on fire, Jesus-loving men of God that I've ever met in my life. Heart of pure gold. He would ask my permission, Pastor Jacob, is it okay if I blow my shofar sometime during the service? And I said, uh, not randomly, but I'll give you a place. There's a place where I'm going to let you blow that shofar. I want you to do it with all authority. I believe in the power of the, of the trumpet as a Bible. And so I, I had him. It actually fit with my message that day. And I had Brother Stephen. I'm not opposed to those things if it's decent and in order. Are you guys with me so far? Okay, now I haven't even got to my points, but let's just, let's just jump right down into this thing, okay? So uh, first of all, when it, when it comes to the ministry of, uh, of tongues or prophecy, there is an upward ministry. Everybody say upward ministry. There's a couple verses on this. An upward ministry, watch this, we read it in verse 2. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Now this is why we call it a prayer language and we are uh, affiliated with the assembly of God and uh, so we do believe in the doctrine of the initial evidence 
of uh, Holy Spirit baptism is speaking in tongues. There's five times in the New Testament where you see the Spirit of God poured out and there were demonstration of gifts. Three of those times we see that the people spoke in other tongues. One of those times it says they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. And then there was another occasion where it doesn't say exactly what the manifestation was, but it says in Acts chapter 8, as they laid hands on people, there was some demonstration of power. It was enough that there was a guy by the name of Simon. He was a sorcerer. He was in witchcraft in this. He tried to buy that power from the apostle Paul. And uh, you go read that story, Paul was not gracious with him, or I'm sorry, Peter was not gracious with him. He said, pray, maybe God will forgive you for trying to buy the anointing of God. How'd you like an apostle to tell you, you'll pray, maybe God will forgive you. And don't mess with the anointing. Don't try and buy the anointing. Don't try and buy favor from God. Hallelujah. And so there's an, there's an upward ministry. You understand when you pray in tongues, there's this upward ministry where, where there's this communion with heaven where we begin to talk with heaven. Uh, Romans talks about how we pray the perfect will of God. Uh, it talks about how there's moments where we don't even know what to pray and there's these groans and these utters that come from the inside of us and it's releasing the will and the intentions of God. That's our upward ministry. In fact, here in 1 Corinthians, it also talks about about how I will, I will speak with the Spirit and I will speak in my understanding. I will sing with my Spirit and I will sing with my understanding. You know, this is what I do. I encourage you to do this. We're singing a new song. You don't know the song. And, uh, but you're just like in the mode. I want to engage in worship. And I, you ever get like irritated having to open your eyes and worship? This is what you do. I don't want to learn this new song right now. You just begin to sing in the Spirit. And you just begin to make up your own song. And you just, you know, as the Holy Spirit would lead you. That's an, that's an upward ministry. We're blessing. We're, we're honoring the heart of God. We're praying and we're interceding. It's all an upward ministry. And it blesses the Lord. Second of all, there is an inward ministry. There's an inward ministry. And you guys got this, many of you, in verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Literally means we build ourselves up. That word edify is, is the picture of building a foundation and establishing walls and even a, a stronghold, a, a fortress, a place of safety. That's what happens when you begin to pray with your spirit. I'll never forget I was in Christ for the Nations and uh, we had a man of God by the name of Mike Massa. Mike Massa, he began these prayer meetings. They were an hour long. They'd run right after our lunch, uh, right into our lunch hour, actually. So I'd skip lunch to go to the prayer meeting. And what he did is at the on the very first prayer meeting we got together, it's an hour long. He says, "Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost." And we all begin to stir ourselves up. We all began to pray in the Holy Ghost. And about a minute later, he stops, and we moved into various prayer points for the day. Prayed for missionaries, prayed for the nation, prayed for revival, prayed for the school, all that. Day two comes. He says, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. And we begin to pray. A couple minutes later, he shifts and, all right, let's pray for our needs. Third day, we pray. What he did, this was, I, I love this. You know, some people, I, I, I'm just, I'm telling you, maybe we ought to try this tonight. I don't know. If I said, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. And I didn't spur you on. We didn't have nice background music. 
How long do you think we'd go before some of us started getting uncomfortable? I don't even know, like 30 seconds. I don't, even, I don't know. I mean, some of you, I think we could get a few of us in a prayer meeting, and boy, we could probably go pray for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, maybe. What Massa did is every day, he would time it. I didn't know he was doing it. He never told us what he was doing. We got 30 days into our prayer meeting. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. And he didn't stop us for 30 minutes. By the time we hit 60 days, we spent the entire prayer meeting praying in the Holy Ghost for the entire hour. He added one minute. It was, a, it was this thing that was stretching all of us and where it was uncomfortable, where we'd get tired of it, where we'd get bored. Okay, I'm ready to move on to the next thing. Every day he was stretching. It was edifying us. It was building us. And we were getting stronger and more, more established in our prayer language. And I, I'm just telling you, it's powerful to edify yourself. You're ever, you're ever living your life and you're just feeling like, man, my spirit man is just walking through mud. You just begin to pray in the Holy Ghost and it has a way of just kind of greasing the wheels and all of a sudden it's, uh, you know, it starts flowing and it starts moving. And it's, I mean, my goodness. That's what it is to edify. That's what it is to edify. And you say, Pastor, I want to pray in tongues. Listen, if you've never prayed in tongues, ask ask for it. You just say, Jesus, would you baptize me with your Holy Spirit? And you see the Spirit of God would come. And there's a key in here. It says, and they spoke in Acts chapter 2. I believe it's verse 4. And they spoke with other tongues. It doesn't mean that God came down and the Holy Ghost started flapping their jaw and, and he, he did all that for them. No, there was, this, there was this participation, there was this union, there's this unity with the Spirit where we begin to open our mouth. And I heard one pastor sharing his testimony, how he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now everybody around him was like fluent tongue talkers. And he's the only guy who doesn't got it. He was like in a little home church, there's like 30 people. Everybody prays in tongues, you know, beautiful, fluid, flowing, nice, and uh, he can't get one word. <laughs> so one night, he's receiving prayer. He wants to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and somebody probably, he says, this is going to be your night. And uh, this is Adam McCain, by the way. You guys know Adam. Adam McCain. And so he, he receives prayer that night, and he hits the ground under the power of God. And he has in his mind one syllable. That is repeating over and over and over again. Bah. 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 And he stands up and he feels really stupid. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to do it. And so, uh, I don't know, it was just, it was, I feel like it was his mom or something. i got to go try to find the testimony. But his, it was one of his relatives saying, you know, did you get anything? You get, God touched you. I can tell something's happening with you. I, I only got one syllable. And she began to explain. It's like, it, it's like babies. You know, we got some babies in the house, right? And uh, have you ever met a baby who just starts speaking in full sentences? No. They start, mama, dad, Wah! I don't know. They just, they got, they, they've got simple syllables that they release. Now, maybe God worked in your life. Maybe you got filled with the Holy Ghost and immediately it just started flowing. But for Adam, I, I mean, this testimony helped me. He, he just got this one syllable and all of a sudden he's in prayer and he's just using his one syllable. Everybody's going to town, you know, beautiful, glorious tongues are flowing and he's just there. Bah, 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 bah. And, uh, and all of a sudden, 
God hits him with another one. And it was like, it was literally as if God took him through this process of teaching him this whole language. And today he speaks beautiful, fluent, and uh, it's wonderful. But, but sometimes you just got to, you, you got to open your mouth and try. Had another guy, can I just encourage you in this? Some people really struggle with this. We got time. God's given me back time. All my time disappeared on Sunday. I don't even know what happened to it. But on, on um, we had a friend in Illinois, and he was a great farmer man, and uh, he was praying for a long time. I want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and uh, I want to speak with other tongues. And we were in all these services. I mean, we went to revival meetings. He had, he had every anointed person you could imagine lay hands on him, and he just could not get it. So he's praying and he's seeking the Lord about this. And uh, uh, I'll never forget, somebody had encouraged him. We were, we were on a retreat, actually with YWAM. And uh, we went out and, uh, and we went on what they call a silent retreat. They said, we're going to block out, I don't know, an hour, maybe two hours. And you're going to go out into the woods and you're just going to listen to the Lord. Don't pray. Don't go with your lists. You just go and you listen for the Lord. We go out, we do that. I mean, I have my prayer time, but we all came back together after that and we were sharing our testimonies, what, what God showed us, what God spoke to us. Well, Todd is his name. Todd comes back and he begins to share with us. He's like, you know, it was about 30 minutes into our prayer time. And I was standing on the side of the mountain and I was just looking out and I could see the river flowing and the, I just felt the Spirit of God just begin to come upon me. I felt like oil began to flow down over my head and my entire body and all throughout my mind I heard this beautiful, glorious, heavenly language just begin to repeat over and over and over in my head. Now, I know by this time, this guy, I mean, I've prayed with him. We've gone to meetings for him to receive prayer. I have been trying to get this guy baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so I'm excited as I'm hearing him share this testimony. He's hearing the tongues go through his head. And so we're like, what'd you do, Todd? What'd you do? And he's like, well, we weren't allowed to talk, so I just, I just stood there. And I'm like, Todd, you should have opened your mouth. and You should have began to pray out. And so he was kind of disappointed, but I said, Todd, okay, this is what we're going to do. He's like, I, I think God is gracious, and I think if you go out into the woods again, and if you feel the Spirit of God begin to move on you again, and you have a sense of that begin to come, open your mouth. And you know what he did? And sure enough, that's exactly how it happened. The Spirit of God began to move on him. He opened up his mouth and he began to speak in other tongues. And, uh, and that was it, man. He received his prayer language, praying in tongues, edifying himself. Hallelujah. I love it. There is in, so what is there? We've talked, uh, we've said there's an upward ministry. We commune with the Lord. There's an inward ministry. That's how we edify ourselves. We build ourselves up in our most holy faith. The entire book of Jude is about that, by the way. I'm just trying to come out of Corinthians here. But um, third, there is an outward ministry. There is an outward ministry. Let me give you a couple verses on this. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Now, we're going to prophesy in just a moment. And just so you know, these are the kinds of prophetic words we're looking for. To edify, that's to build up, to encourage or to exhort or encourage, and to comfort, something that will bring healing. So we're not looking for rebuking words or corrective words. We also are, are just cautious of mates, 
dates and spouses or babies, right? These are things that we're just not, I don't want you prophesying, oh, you two are sitting together. I see the Lord, Uh, you two are to be together. We're not doing that, okay? You understand? You're going to have three babies. No, we're not doing that. Uh, I do think God can do that, but we're in a learning situation here. We're learning, and so we're going to look simple. Um, Verse 5, speaking in tongues with an interpretation builds the church. So there's moments where a tongue may come forward. And then there is an interpretation of that tongue. Now, I have an idea of how that's supposed to operate. It'll take me a minute to explain, but uh, sometime we can do. Did you know there's seven different types of tongues in Scripture? Seven. We don't have time for that tonight. One of these days I'll do it. Uh, verse 22. I'm just giving you some outward ministry. You can dig into these on your own. Tongues can be assigned to the unbeliever. Who can it be assigned to? The unbeliever. Well, what does that look like? Benny Perez was sharing a testimony. They were doing a documentary about their church and about ministry in Las Vegas in general. And they had all these like secular news guys who were in their prayer meeting. And I'll never forget him sharing this testimony. He said they prayed just like they always do. They didn't try and you know, ease it up just because they had secular papers there, cameras rolling. No, they began to pray. And the Holy Ghost, just like they do in every one of their staff meetings. And the amazing thing was that as soon as they finished that, as soon as the footage was done, they had three different reporters approach them all separately. What was that? They ended up leading a few of these guys to the Lord because they were so impacted. The moment they began to pray, they had no idea what was going on. But they were so stirred as the people began to pray in the Holy Ghost. As they began to pray in other tongues, it stirred them and it it, it brought a curiosity. I want that. I want to know. And and let me just just throw out a bonus point to you here. You know, there's been moments. We had one of these recently. I don't want to say this to embarrass or, or belittle anybody. They're not going to be watching this because uh, whatever. We prayed for somebody on Sunday night, and immediately, bam, they go out under the power of God. And I watched one young family just bolt for the door immediately. That was not their, what do you say, kuleana. That was not, that's not, uh, I don't know what they were thinking. I, maybe, maybe they just had... A doctor's appointment or something, and that's why they had to leave that quickly. But uh, I have my suspicions. And here's, here's what I've learned. I have never seen an unbeliever freaked out to the point that they bolt for the door when they see genuine manifestations of the Spirit of God. The people that typically get offended and run are people who have been trained to think a certain way. There's some religious thing. Maybe they're from a Catholic background that says tongues are demonic. Maybe they're from another background that say, no, we don't do that. That kind of thing ceased with the apostles. Jesus did that. We don't do that today. If they're from that kind of... I'm tell, only religious get offended over things like that. I remember being a heathen coming into the house of God. And for the first time, seeing that kind of ministry, seeing people get up and testify about being healed, watching people fall on the ground as the Spirit of God moved on them. And there was no fear on the inside of me. There was a curiosity. There was a hunger that began to stir up. I remember the first time I was in a service. I was was in high school by the time I got into a meeting 
where I heard people praying in other tongues in a corporate way. And I remember standing there and feeling something just swirling around me. Now, I'd grown up in a Baptist background, but I remember the first time I encountered Pentecost, and I'm like, what? is this? What have I been missing in my church? And I'll I just tell you guys, you just remain open. Maybe you didn't, maybe you're like me, you grew up Baptist. You grew up hearing that, oh, Benny Hinn's the devil. Oh, falling on the ground's the devil. Tongues are the devil. We believe in that kind of stuff. I'm showing you from the Bible where, where many of these things are. Prophecy is a, a sign to the unbeliever. Uh, I'm sorry, tongues are a sign to the unbeliever. Verse 22 says that prophecy is a sign to believers. You understand, we prophesy, it means a lot more to a, a believer in the house, right? You prophesy to an unbeliever, it might mean something to them, but if it's a believer who knows how to receive by faith, who understands the verbiage, knows how to walk it out, it's going to mean a lot more to them than an unbeliever, right? But here's an interesting thing. It flips in verse 24. So what did we say? Tongues is a sign to what? The believer or unbeliever? The unbeliever. Tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. Prophecy is a sign to believers. But in verse 24, it flips. Prophecy is a sign to the unbeliever. So it can be both. And here's how that works. It, you know, you, you read their mail and it even says in there uh, uh, that, that people having their sins laid out before them, having heard from God, they're going to walk out and say, truly, God is in that place. That's what authentic prophetic ministry does. But in verse 23, it says that tongues can also scare the unbeliever away. So what's going on? Tongues can be assigned to the unbeliever, but tongues can also cause people to run out saying they are out of their mind. Now, I struggled with this a little bit, but Eugene actually came up with a solution. I mean, he found, he found one passage that explains this entire thing. And so, Eugene, I want you to come, and he's going to make this real clear to all of us. You're going to understand, and uh, yeah, just tell us. Теперь, если я приду к вам, братья, и стану говорить на незнакомых языках, то какую принесу вам пользу, когда не изъясняюсь вам или откровением, или познанием, или пророчеством, или учением? И бездушные вещи, издающие звук, сверил или гусли, или не производят раздельных тонов, как распознать то, что играют на сверили или на гуслях? И если труба будет издавать неопределенный звук, кто станет говорить как к сражению? Готовится к сражению. Так если вы языком произносите невразумительные слова, то как узнать, что вы говорите? Вы будете говорить на ветер. Сколько, например, различных слов в мире? И ни одного из них нет без значения. Но если я не разумею значение слов, то я для говорящего чужестранец, и говорящий для меня чужестранец. Вау. Аминь. Blesses Igor. You want to know why? Igor speaks that language. Did you recognize what he was reading there, Igor? Amen. He was reading 1 Corinthians 14. You know, the Apostle Paul, he, yeah, that is in Russian. The Apostle Paul says, I actually tried to find a little flute or a recorder. 
And he says, you can play an instrument, but if you don't know how to make the right sounds come out of that thing, it's chaos. He says, every language is powerful, and every language can be understood. But he said, likewise, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, it will be no- what will be known, uh, how will it be known what is spoken? You will be speaking into the air. With the exception of Igor and maybe Alina, Eugene was speaking words into the air just now, Correct? Let me ask you a question. If I had Eugene preach in Russian on a Tuesday night, on a Sunday night, how many of our English speakers would stay through the entire sermon? Oh, I'm going to come back tonight for another one of those messages. (laughs) You would be out the door saying, this is not for me, wouldn't you? However, if you had Brother Igor who was standing alongside Eugene, and he begins to interpret, then guess what? You have an understanding of what's being said, and now it can benefit you. Now it can nourish your soul. Now you have an understanding of exactly what's going on. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, guys, tongues are wonderful. And there's a way that it can encourage you, and it can be a sign to the unbeliever. But if this is all we do, and it's uncontrolled, and it's unrestrained, and it's, and it's chaos, then you're going to have people walking out saying, this is not for me. Are you guys hearing me on this? There's other times where, you know what, somebody may speak in a tongue, and we interpret it, and guess what? It blesses everybody who receives that word. There's an outward ministry that goes along. Thank you, Eugene, for letting me use you. You guys are going to remember that example, won't you? That's how interpretation works. That's how tongues work. And then I, I won't spend time on this because I'm ready to move into some ministry. But there is a downward ministry. You understand let me just give you two thoughts. And I'm just going to leave you with this. I could, I could spend all night, but I'm just going to give you two thoughts on this. When we make prophetic declarations, part of the ministry of Jesus, according to James, no. Part of the ministry of Jesus, oh yeah, that's, okay. So, Part of the ministry of Jesus, according to 1 John 3, 8, is to destroy the works of the devil. There is a warfare that goes on. Yes, there's encouragement that comes into the heart of people when we prophesy. But there is also warfare that transpires. Part of the reason that I encourage praying out loud. How many understand? Jesus, he can read your mind. God can read your mind. He knows if you're in quiet meditation and prayer, right? God knows. God knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what you're thinking. You can pray in your mind. The Lord hears that. He can respond to that. I believe, and again, I've, I've done a whole study on this. I could spend a whole night just talking about this one topic. I do not believe the devil can read your mind. I do not believe the devil can read your thoughts. Which means if you're praying silent prayers... Yes, they're hitting the throne room, but there's no warfare piece that's attached to it. 
In James chapter 5, in verse 16, it says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's highly effective. That word fervent is the word fiery. It's, a, it's an aggressive word. It's a passionate word. And I don't know about you, but I, I have a hard time picturing how you would pray a passionate, fiery, silent prayer. Maybe it's possible. But something happens when we begin to lift our voice. God responds. There's an outward ministry. There's encouragement that happens. But there's also warfare that begins to transpire. Part of the reason that I pray out loud, especially when I'm praying for lost people, when I'm contending for my family to come to know Jesus, I pray out loud. Not only because I want God to hear what I'm saying, and I know he would if I was praying silently, But I believe that as we open our mouth and as we utter words, we're literally calling things that are not into existence. We're literally speaking things into creation. But beyond that, I want the devil to know, Satan, your hand over my siblings is done. Your days of influence over their life is done over. I want the devil to know as I begin to pray, I want him to know I'm calling him out. And what I'm asking the Lord to do, Satan, you don't have the right, you don't have the authority to usurp that. There is a warfare peace that goes on with our prayers. Let me give you one other thought, and this is going to ruin some of you. I know this will ruin somebody's night. Because some of you have been taught That when we pray in tongues, it is a secret language that only God knows. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1, Paul said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of, anybody know? Angels. And he goes on, but I don't have love. It's not my point. We can speak in a tongue that is understood by other people that happened on the day of Pentecost. But when we speak in that heavenly language, we're speaking in the tongue of angels. Quiz. What is Satan? He's a fallen. I think Satan knows what we're praying when we pray in tongues. I absolutely do. And I don't think it's a bad thing that he knows what we pray when we pray in tongues. Because he knows as we are praying and we are, we are agreeing, sometimes there's worship and sometimes there's praise and sometimes there's prophecy in your tongue. And you may not even know it because you're praying with your spirit. But as that is going up, God is beginning to move into action. Things are beginning to transform in the atmosphere. And Satan's kingdom is being destroyed at the very same time. I think it's good for Satan to know. It's like you're hurling cannonballs at the kingdom of darkness. And things are being destroyed. They're shattering to pieces as you begin to pray in other tongues. Because he knows what you're calling out. That makes sense. Now you can disagree with that if that ruins your day or whatever. You just erase that last point. That's fine. Um, No matter how you cut it, tongues and prophecy is powerful. Amen? Well, if you want to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, I encourage you to begin to pray and ask the Lord for it. We take time every Sunday night to pray for the baptism in the Spirit, to pray for fresh outpouring of the Spirit. And we'll do that. Uh, We'll do that again uh, 
Actually, this Sunday we'll be streaming a revival service. You might get baptized in the Holy Ghost in our revival service. It's going to be awesome. But uh, at this time, do I need to let you guys stretch? Is your behind hurt sitting to Why don't you stand for a minute? Why don't we stand? In fact, let's, um, let's just do this. Some of you might, you just say, I won't get filled with the Holy Ghost. Let's just begin to ask him right now. Let's just begin to practice what we were talking about tonight. Can we just for the next moment, I'm not going to have an instrumentalist come. We're not going to do any of that. But if you have the liberty, let's just begin to pray with our spirit right now. Let's just begin to stir it up. Come on, let's just lift up our voice right now. Just begin right out loud. Come on, church. Come on, church. Lift up your voice. Lord, even now, I ask you to baptize and fill people by your spirit right now. God, even, even some right now, they may just try to open their mouth. Maybe they've not prayed with their spirit before. I'm asking even now that you would release that supernatural gift. Release that heavenly language over them right now. Fill them. Baptize them with your Holy Spirit, mighty God. Let us, give us the ability to pray in accordance to your spirit. Oh God, perfectly and unhindered, mighty God. Fill. Baptize. Release the anointing of your spirit right now, mighty God. Lord, we ask you, fill. Lord, we ask you to anoint. Lord, we ask you to baptize by your spirit and by your fire right now, mighty God. Even online, mighty God, would you touch people in their homes? Touch people, Lord, where they're at. Lord, fill. Fill. Release your anointing, O Lord. Oh, mighty God. Oh, mighty God. Oh, we thank you, Lord Jesus.